Hey everybody, we're in a teaching series on relationships called It's Not You, It's Me. And our prayer is that wherever you are as you listen to this, that God would use this teaching as a tool to grow you and strengthen you in your relationships. Thanks for listening and subscribing. Thanks for commenting. Hey, share this message with some friends. It makes a big difference. At SOMA, we want everybody to know God so they can find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. We hope this collection of talks draws you to Jesus and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Hey, if there's anyone who loves Jesus in the room, put your hands together for him for just a couple of seconds right now. Clap offering. Amen. Well, good morning. Hey, it's uh, good to come and hang out with my Soma family. Uh, it is true, I, I could be anywhere on planet Earth today, but I'm so glad that I'm in Hickory, North Carolina. Uh, sneaky, sneaky cool uh, as a city. Uh, I got to eat at a place called Standard Oyster Company last night. It was a good little spot. And uh, as I was eating it, it just made me sad that the city that I'm from, Anderson, South Carolina, has nothing like that. And so uh, cool restaurants, nice people, and this amazing church. I can definitively say that Soma is the best thing happening here at Hickory. So you're in the best place uh, that you could be in Hickory, North Carolina on a Sunday morning. And a big part of that is connected to Pastor Michael and Brooke and the whole team leading here. Come on, how about we honor our leaders and just the people who are serving us so well day in, day out, week in, week out. All our production people who just work away like amazing technological ninjas. Just we don't notice you until something goes wrong and then everyone turns around, gets angry. But 99% of the time, everything goes perfect. And we're so grateful for everyone who brings their best to the table and puts this on. And we're kind of talking about that this morning uh, because we are doing a series called It's Not You, It's Me. And it's all about relationships and the responsibility we have to take personally to bring our best into our relationships. Because how many know if you take care of your relationship with God and take care of your relationship with one another, things kind of work out okay. That, that's the reason Jesus said, I'm going to keep it pretty simple. Love God, love each other. Take responsibility for your relationship with God because He loved you first. And then as an extension of that, love the people around you. Um, do whatever you can by the grace of God to bring your best into that space. And it's amazing how your relationships will develop. And even though the world gets crazy, and how many know the world's going to get crazier and crazier? Even though the world is going to feel pressured and sometimes it's going to feel like everything is caving in on you, I promise you, if you have a love for God and a relationship with God on the inside and good people around you in healthy relationships closest to you, you're going to get through to the other side. In case you have missed the last couple of weeks, I encourage you to lean into the teaching from Pastor Michael, but this whole series is about relationships and the way that we bring our best to one another. And the Bible was serious about it because in the New Testament, you'll see 59 different times where you're commanded to think about what you're bringing into your relationships, how we are to operate around one another. In the Bible, it commands us to, to love one another. It commands us to show generosity to one another, to do our best to take responsibility to give to one another. We're told to bear with one another. Go and turn to your neighbor and let them know, I'm going to bear with you. The Bible told me to bear with you, so I'm going to bear with you. The married couples, you ain't got no 
choice. You're bearing with one another. You may as well enjoy the ride. We're going to bear with one another to take responsibility to forgive one another. Take the responsibility to honor one another, to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to build one another up according to their needs, to take time to plan and to plot how you can build the people up who are around you. We're told to greet one another with a holy kiss. I need all the single people in the room just to lift their hand high in the sky. Single people just look around right now, make, make eye contact. If anyone is particularly interesting to you, you go up to them at the end of the service and say, hey, the preacher told me to do it. How about a holy kiss? You know what I'm saying? And undergirding all of this, there is a Jesus command that kind of knits it all together. And it's this concept of serving one another. I promise you, your relationships will be great if you find yourself in a competition with other people trying to outserve one another. That's the reason it says in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, to do your best with the gifts that you've been given to serve one another. That's the reason Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20 that I've come to the earth not to be served, but to serve. Jesus deserved to be served because he's a king over every king. He is the Lord over every Lord. But he said, even though I have come as king, I'm not here for you to serve me. I'm here to serve you and to give my life as a ransom for many. You are sitting here today, washed by the blood of Jesus, purposed, filled with vision, promised a glorious future. Why? Because Jesus, the king, took time to serve you. Fast forward to Matthew chapter 23, he would actually say, if you want to experience greatness this side of eternity, you've got to serve your way into it. He says, the greatest amongst you will be your servant. You live in a world where you're taught that you have to climb to the top of the mountain. You've got to be number one. Hey, second place is first loser. You're told this all the time. But Jesus says, all of those are lies. That might be culture in this moment. That might be the reality in the present age. But in the kingdom of God, eternal. To be great, to be first, to experience what it's really like to succeed, to punch your way into the end zone that you were designed and, des and God desires for your life, you have to learn how to serve your way into greatness. You want a great marriage? Serve your way into greatness. You want a great family life? Build a family on the principle of serving one another. You want to work in a great workplace? Do you want to run a great business? Make sure that serving is a foundational principle. You want to be a part of a great football team or softball team or cheer team or volleyball team? As much as it goes against the flow, you've got to work out how to serve your team into greatness. You want to be a part of a great church, Soma? You've got to serve your way into greatness. That's the reason one of our values here is serving is a privilege. It is something we get an opportunity to say, you know what? I don't have to do this, but I will choose to do this. I will sacrifice to do this because I don't want to be a part of a ho-hum, mid, everyday, ordinary church. like I. No, I want to be a part of something great in the earth that shines light, that shares the gospel, that shares the love of Jesus with people all around Hickory and the surrounding regions, and the way we get there is by serving one another. You walked in this morning with people who have opened doors for you. 
You walked in this morning with, with, with seats, with notes that have been put down on those seats by people who came early to serve. You're going to walk out today and you're going to have people at connect desks and people serving drinks and serving coffee. This is what God intended for us as a people. Not just a social gathering where we would get, we'd get together once a week and ask the question, what can I get? No, we were meant to come together and ask this simple question. By the grace of God and the light of what you've done, how can I serve? As that flows from Sunday into Monday, Monday into Wednesday, Wednesday flowing into the weekend, as we gather again next Sunday, as this becomes a greater central reality in all of our stories, I promise you, even though craziness swirls around us, you'll have peace, power, and perspective within you if you take responsibility to serve. Now, there's a challenge. Everything inside of us and everything around us rages against that concept. I don't know about you, but I, don't know if, I know for me, there are fragments of my old sinful fleshly nature that doesn't like to serve. I like being served. I like hearing, how can I serve you, sir? I like, yes, sir. I, like, no, I love the idea of being served. The thought of being the servant isn't as natural uh, desire in my heart. Uh, you all work in jobs where you're told, you know what? Hey, serve, but only for a period of time because the purpose of your work is to ascend to a place where you are being served and you're not the servant. So right now, yes, do that grind, that tough job, that third shift. Do whatever you need to do right now but then you'll get to a point in your journey where you'll sit in the big office in the corner and people will serve you. Right now, you serve all the bosses. One day, you'll be the boss and everyone serves you. We are all working every day with that kind of concept humming in the background, which is the antithesis of what Jesus is saying. That if you ever find yourself in a position where you get to hold authority and hold power, the only reason you have that is so that you can serve the people around you. Add to that, what makes it really difficult is we live in a post-social media age, or in other words, social media now is a reality for everyone in this room. Whether you're a Gen Z and, and you grew up with it and, and you have amazing dexterity with your fingers as you can type on your phones without even looking at it, or you're an old person like me, you know what I'm saying? You're just like, you know, just checking up on Facebook just to see what all your friends' kids are doing, you know what I'm saying? Like kind of, so we're all locked into this post-social media age but science and research shows us that social media has done something to the human race. It has made us all less empathetic, or in other words, the ability to feel others and to view life through their lens. And it's made us all high entitlement, or in other words, we think that everything should revolve around us. Everything should operate the way we think things should operate. We are right now in this post-social media age, high entitlement, low empathy, and that is not a great environment to develop a servant spirit as Jesus desires. So Hickory and Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> there is no way to enter into great kingdom relationships that will bear great kingdom fruit outside of a personal decision with a whole bunch of other Jesus followers making that same personal decision to bring servanthood into every sphere. We know that that's the way forward. But the internal forces, external currents, the tides that swirl all around us will drag us in the other direction. So what do we do?
we turn to Jesus. We turn to his words. We turn to his teaching. And specifically this week, I want you to turn to his example. As Jesus understood that all of us would wrestle with what it really means to serve more than being served. He sets into motion an example that would be remembered forevermore. He shows himself as an illustration that would become a tattoo on the minds of the young men who followed him and the disciples who would follow them. So if you have your Bibles, would you go with me to the book of John chapter 13? John chapter 13. Jesus only had a few days left. How would you feel if you knew, but in a couple of days, you'd be dead? If you knew that in but a few hours, you'd be arrested, you'd have to sit trial in a kangaroo court where you would sit and hear charges laid against you that were totally unfair and the death penalty would be placed upon you? How would you be feeling if you knew that the most cruel of Roman Empire punishments would be exacted upon you? That your hands and your feet would be pierced as you were hung on a tree and you would die from exposure or suffocation? What kinds of things would be bouncing around your head and your heart? What kind of anxiety would rise up in your consciousness? That's what Jesus was feeling. So as we read through this story, recognize that even though all of us would be feeling that, this is what Jesus did. Let me ask you another question. Just imagine you were hanging out with Jesus and you knew that the end was near. That you knew you only had a couple of days left with the master. Those three years have flown by so quick. You'd heard the gospel preached, you saw dead people raised again, you saw lepers have their skin cleared up, deaf people could hear again, the mutes could speak and boom and proclaim the praise of God. It's amazing, what a great ride it's been for three years, but now it's all coming to an end. This is going to be our last meal with Jesus. Would you be paying more attention? Would you be messing around on your phones? Would you be caught up in conversations with your buddies around the table about whether or not the NFL is rigged and something like that, you know, like, would, or would you be leaning into Jesus? I think you'd be leaning into Jesus. I think his words would carry a different weight. The points he was trying to make would have a different level of gravity. That's what's happening here. John chapter 13 and verse 1, the Bible says, it was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and they had come from God and was returning to God. Listen to this, verse 4. So he got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. Everything is bouncing around the head and the heart of Jesus. There's the cross that I'm going to go to, my friends I'm going to save, the disciples who are going to follow years and years from now. So much was going on in his head and his heart. At the same time, he had all authority in heaven and earth placed into his hands. This was his moment of greatest understanding of who he was, who he is, why he came, and where he was returning. 
And with all of these things swirling around his head and his heart, what does he do in verse 4? His reaction is to get up from that meal, go into a back room, strip down into his tank top and his tidy whities wrap himself in a beach towel, fill a bucket of water, and come back into that room. In the midst of everything that was going on, he was still loving and he was still serving. Verse 5. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Verse 8, he says, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. I love how Peter didn't have an inside head voice. Everything was just spoken out with his lips. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that is why he said not everyone was clean. We had finished washing their feet. He put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? Or in other words, there is no way you'll become the woman of God or the man of God you've been destined to be unless you cross this bridge into true kingdom servanthood. Your marriages will never ever bloom. Your small groups will never ever shine the light they were meant to shine in dark places. Your household will not fulfill its destiny within your neighborhood. And so much church will not grow and be an example of the kingdom of God like it could grow until you cross that bridge from selfishness into servanthood. And there is nothing inside you and there's nothing around you that is pushing you in that direction. So let me show you something that you will never forget. Your master, your king, your lord and your friend, your savior, stripping down to his underwear, wrapped in a beach towel, dissolving the dirt and the dung from between the toes of teenage men. In doing so, showing you what he has to do for each of y'all to get you into the kingdom. And he's saying here now, this is why I did it. Let me establish once and for all something which you should follow. No more discussion. No more debate. No more delay. Do this for I have done this. And the next couple of verses, just full warning, are going to be like a punch in the mouth. Does anyone remember Fat Batman from the 60s and the 70s? I grew up like in the 80s, and I remember, remember Fat Batman, not like all you young people, only like the Chris Nolan, Christian Bale, I'm Batman. No, 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 no. I'm talking about like a guy named Adam West, who was like a little chubby, who would wear like a tight gray suit, and he'd be like fighting. Like and and remember, when, remember when Fat Batman would fight, and he would punch someone, and they're like a, a kapow, bam, boof, you know what I'm saying? All right? The next couple of verses are a kapow, a bam, and a boof. Because this is what Jesus says. Listen to this. Verse 13, he goes, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's 
feet, okay? Anyone call Jesus their Lord and Savior in this room? Lift your hand high in the sky. Come on, your deodorant is nice and fresh. It's going to hold, all right? So if your hand is lifted or your hand was lifted, he's saying, okay, cool. The way you show that I'm really your Lord is that you do what your Lord did. And this is what your Lord did. So even though you can say with your lips or, or try to display with your hand that, that you follow me and I'm your Lord, the reality is unless you live a life, man of God, woman of God, husband of God, wife of God, child of God, unless you live a life of servanthood, you're saying that I'm your Lord, but you're not displaying that I'm your Lord. Pow. Here comes the boof, all right? In verse 15, he says, I've set an example that you should do as I have done for you. You should do as I have done for you. Don't serve people because they're worthy of serving in your estimation. You serve people because he served you when you weren't worthy of serving. As I've done, you want to be like me? Serve people. Here's the kapow, verse 16. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Or in other words, he's saying, okay, and in case you have worked out some kind of argument in your head that makes you exempt from all of this serving stuff, there is no servant greater than the master or messenger more important than the one who sent the message. So if I've done this, you not doing this, by default, is you saying that you are above me. If kingdom servanthood is beneath you, then the kingdom will be always beyond you. And what you're saying quite arrogantly, no, no, no. What I've said way too arrogantly throughout my journey, say, you know what? I've ascended. Come on, I'm in a place right now. Hey, you know what? Like I live a kind of life that's, you know, a little bit more pressure than everybody. What we're saying is that we're more important than the master himself. Kapow. And finally, he says in verse 17, now you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Or in other words, you'll know this, 10 out of 10, know this. But not 10 out of 10 will do anything about it. Blessing is connected to not only hearing this, but doing this. Do you know that there's some blessing in 2024 that you're going to leave on the table because you're going to hear this, agree with it, but do nothing about it? If you know this and do this, then there's blessing. So here's the simple question. How do we all walk forward out of this gathering with a resolution in our hearts, with conviction in our minds, and the power of the Holy Spirit to put this into greater practice? Come on, in all of our relationships. I'm not here just for a mid mare garden variety life. Come on. I want to experience a great marriage. I want to know what it's like to be a great parent. I want to work in a great workplace. Every team that I'm on, I want us to be goat. You know what I'm saying? The greatest of all. I want this in my life. The only way forward is if we serve like Jesus served. So how does this happen? Write down notes, okay? Scribble stuff down. I'm not saying you need to take notes to get into heaven. I'm just saying why take a chance, you know what I'm saying? Get to the end, you're all copying off this young lady here. Messing around, that's not true at all. iPhones, iPads say it all the time. 
open up the Note app and thank the Lord Jesus with Steve Jobs. That's a wonderful piece of technology you have right there. If you want to that kind of Samsung, those Google devices, you can put it away. I've got nothing for you or for your friends. <laughs> From this point on in the message. Because you mess up our, our text messages with your green bubble energy. Doesn't it feel so presumptuous? Like we're all on the same page. We're all like just reading along. Boop, 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 blue, blue, blue. So cooling, so nice. I know it's all free, but it feels freer than free when it's all kind of blue. Then bang, it all goes green. Because one of you all got a deal on a Samsung phone and that Verizon from the strip mall. You know what I'm saying? You mess up and mess it up. You can write this stuff down as well. Soma Church, what would happen if we all did this together? What, happened, what would happen if we would all, number one, make a decision to approach our relationships with more humility? Just with this, this, this understanding that if I have any opportunity, any authority, any resource in my journey, it's given to me from God for His purpose. And I'm not going to place myself in the center of this universe, but I'm going to recognize that Jesus is the sun around which we all orbit, and we make a decision, come on, to serve one another with humility. Unless you guys cut down that devilish root of pride that grows so easily in the middle of our lives, we will never step into the kind of great relationships that God so desperately desires for all of us. But we have to cut it down. It is not natural. It is not normal. It is not cultural. But Jesus helps us by first and foremost in His position, verses 2 and 3, of most power, of most authority, of most purpose. He knew where he was, where he had come from, and where he was going. You know what he did with all of that? He went off to a back room, stripped down into his underwear, wrapped himself in a towel, and came back out. The most menial, embarrassing of tasks. 2,000 years ago, you would see groups of rabbis. Effectively, they're like college programs, where there would be a rabbi, like a professor, and students who were like the disciples, and they would follow rabbis around. That's the reason when you read through the Gospels, you'll see so many people coming up to Jesus, asking him questions. What they were doing is they were interviewing the rabbi to see if they were worthy of following. And then you'll see in the Gospels, Jesus asking them questions. What was Jesus doing? He was testing them to see if they were worthy of being disciples. And if you started following a rabbi around like the disciples followed Jesus, it was your responsibility from that point on to provide for that rabbi. If the group needed food, you had to do the work to buy the food. If you needed a place to stay, a roof over your head, it was your job to scrape the money together to afford the Airbnb. The only job not required of a disciple was the washing of feet. It was too low a task. It was too disgusting a job. The washing of feet. And you can imagine how gross those feet got wearing sandals, walking around the dusty streets of Galilee or the dusty streets of Jerusalem, these were filthy, filthy feet, and even disciples weren't expected to wash feet. That was the job for a slave or an indentured servant. So see the shockingness of this picture. As Jesus quietly slips out, comes back with a bucket of water, and starts washing the dirt and the dung from between the disciples' toes. Why did he do that? He's trying to show you that everything inside of you is telling you, you don't need to do this. 
it's beneath you. Hey, maybe back in the day when you were grinding and hustling, but now you've ascended to a place where people need to be serving you. Jesus goes, no, no, no. I'm going to show you my humble mentality. And even though I am the center of the universe, I will drop to my knees. If I would do that, how dare you not follow? But it's a mindset. It's a mindset. Um, Americans have a very different kind of interaction with, with HVAC than I do, okay? Uh, for for y'all, you like set your kind of your thermostats like 72 all year long, you know what I'm saying? Wintertime, summertime, just, it's just running, running, running. To me, the sound of your HVAC running sounds like me going to my backyard and just burning all kinds of cash, just like this, just burning cash. Got cash to burn. Here's another bag of cash. I'm burning it. I don't do my HVAC. I'm very deliberate with it. I just turn on my HVAC to take the edge off things. It's like 58 degrees and my children's like, like lips are blue. I'll turn it up to like 61. Just try to take the edge off it. It was like 97 in my house. You know what I'm saying? Kids are like, you know, struggling with dehydration. It's all good. I'm just going to take the edge off at 86. We're just going to bring it down a little bit. Either way, you're, like it says in Philippians chapter 2, have to have the same mind set as Jesus. He, even though he's totally God, took on the nature of a servant. Can I just challenge you in every relationship you have, in every circle that you step into, to reset the thermostat of your mind, come on, towards the setting of how can I serve? When you're showing up to church on a Sunday, don't walk in here, how can I get served? I wonder what songs we're singing this week. You know what I'm saying? I hope we sing that gratitude song again. I like that gratitude song. Such a grateful person. Such a gra- but don't be playing any song that's not gratitude because I'm not going to be grateful for that. But for that, if I get the gratitude song, then I'm going to be grateful. I wonder what Pastor Michael's going to preach today. I hope it, man, I hope I can, you know what I'm saying? Like, we come with this expectation that we're going to primarily be served. What would happen if we actually walked in through these doors and asked the question, hey, how can I serve? Is there a role that I can play? Is there a door that I can stand on? Is there some kids that I can... Because right now it sounds like we have a lot of kids down there and no adults. Because that's what it's... I don't know if you can hear it, but I can hear it. Okay? So if you laughed, maybe next week you need to maybe just sign up for one of the services and to go down there and serve. Like my, my two children, I've got a 20-year-old daughter and an 18-year-old son, without fail on a Sunday morning, they will be serving in our kids' spring ministry. And guess what? Their life is greater for it because of the giving of their time. Instead of coming here and going, wow, I hope the songs are to my liking, what would happen if you would worship as service unto the Lord, knowing that your passionate praise of God might be breaking chains off the people around you? Come on. What would happen if you sat here in service instead of you sitting there going, oh, I don't know if I agree with this or not. I don't know. I don't know. There's something about this guy I don't trust. I don't trust him at all. I don't trust guys that, first of all, sound kind of like the crocodile hunter but look like Jackie Chan. I just don't get that. <laughs> and what would happen if you stopped doing that and you say, you know what, how can I serve even the people around me by the way that I lean in and receive and let the Holy Spirit touch me through this word? Maybe even the way that I get touched might help somebody to my left and to my right. You know what I'm saying? What would happen if we collectively, not only on a Sunday, but Monday when we're with our families, Wednesday when we're hanging out with our work friends afterwards, what would happen if we would put on the mindset of serving? Jesus did, so must, so must we.
Number two, write this one down. Jesus not only served with humility, he served unconditionally. Can I give you a heads up? If you only serve people who deserve to be served, you're not going to do much kingdom serving. Honestly, for me, I've got no problem serving people who deserve to be served. Like in that first service, there was a couple sitting where you guys are who were married for 51 years. Like the, the sweet, they, they look like, like, like Hallmark became people. And I, they were sitting there, they were holding hands. I said, sir, how long have you been married for? 51 years, he said. And his wife was still, I, I noticed because his wife was holding and playing with his hands. It was so cute. And, and you know what? Those are the kinds of people, man, I've got no problem bringing my absolute best to the table because they're there and they're like this and you know what I'm saying? I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I look at people and I'm not that interested in trying to serve them because they're looking at me like they're trying to fight me. You know what I'm saying? I can see in the eyes of some young men, like men just like that, or look at, like this, and I wonder if I could take him in the cage. You know what I'm saying? That's what you're thinking in your head. My desire is maybe not, no, no. Because Jesus served me unconditionally, I get no option. Those boys did not deserve to be served. First of all, they were teenagers with teenage feet. Have you been around a teenage boy foot? Girls, disgusting all kinds of cooties. I'm telling you, it's like, it's horrible. Like we have like a youth camp every year that has like thousands of teenagers, like three, 4,000 teenagers. We take them away and we hang out and we talk about Jesus, but none of them bathe for a week or drink water, but they, none of them bathe. And by the end of the week, the rooms are ripe. You know what I'm saying? It smells like Jesus and foot. Those were gross feet. But think about the people those feet were attached to. There was Peter the loud mouth. There were the sons of thunder always arguing about who was the greatest and the most important. One of those feet that he washed was Judas's feet. Think about that. This guy who hung out with Jesus, pretended to be one of his best friends for three years, but then would go ahead and stab him in the back for the equivalent of 200 bucks. And Jesus still slowly washed his feet. You know why I serve people unconditionally? Because I don't boo and hiss when I see Judas in that story. You know what I do? I see myself as Judas in that story. Is there anyone here in this room aware enough to know that none of you all deserve your feet to be washed by Jesus? Come on, is anyone brave enough to admit that they have betrayed Jesus for far less than $200? But he still hung on a cross for you. He still unconditionally loved you. That's the reason we don't serve people because they deserve to be served. We serve people because we didn't deserve to be served. And he still hung on a cross for me anyway. Thirdly and lastly, we serve humbly, with humility, we serve unconditionally, and we also serve sacrificially. We serve people understanding that one day your life is going to be weighed. And the measure of a man or a woman is not the money that they saved, the land that they built, the hunting trophies on a wall, the following they have on Instagram, the depth of their TikTok fame. They're not weighed by how many people recognize them and even respect them. No, 
they are weighed by the way they sacrificially gave their life away. In verse 7, Jesus told them and he tells us, this foot washing thing, you understand right now, but you're going to fully understand it in a couple of days' time. Right now you won't get it, but later on you'll get it. And we see this playing out. You know why? If you read through the New Testament, the epistles, the Pauline writings, and the pastoral letters, you will see no reference to ceremonial, regular foot washing. You see communion. You see the apostles' teaching. You see the gathering together. You see prayer. But there was no record of them washing each other's feet, even though Jesus commanded them to do so. Why? Because this is what they learned down the track. When they saw their friend and Savior Jesus dying on a cross, they went, oh, that was what it was about. His sacrifice meant my life. So this is how the disciples washed feet forevermore. They gave their lives away. Out of the 12, one, Judas, would take his own life from the weight of shame. The other 11, out of that 11, 10 would all in their own way die for the cause of Jesus Christ. They would sacrifice their life. Their blood would be poured into the ground. So 2,000 years later, a bunch of people from different parts of the world could gather in Hickory, North Carolina, praising the same king. See, sacrifice gave life. The one that didn't die as a martyr was John. He actually wrote this book. And he sacrificed by being exiled to an island called Patmos, where he was entrusted with revelations from God, and he died at an old age, still sacrificing, hearing from God and writing it down. Your life will be measured one day, not by what you got, but by how you gave. The serving relationships that you were a part of, the way you sacrificed. That's the reason Jesus said one day you're going to stand before the king, and he's not going to go, well done, good and faithful millionaire. Well done, good and faithful landowner. Well done, good and faithful influencer. Well done, good and famous. Fa no, no. Well done, good and faithful. Well done, good and faithful. That's the question we'll be asked one day. And by the grace of God, my brothers and sisters here at Soma Church will tell the story. Have we spent our lives giving it away? Every circle you're in, serve. Can someone say a good amen to that? All right, as we wrap up our time, I just want to do two simple things. Number one, I want to give someone an opportunity in this room to simply say yes to Jesus. That's all Christianity is. Contrary to popular belief, it's not about rules or regulations, being a moral individual. Hey, that person, is a, he's a good Christian man. No, 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 no. Being someone who knows Jesus simply is someone who responds to his invitation of love. And some of you all have felt that over the last 32 minutes.